There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Nice to meet you guys. Heard some great things. That's very sweet. I heard you and Drew got to play some golf together in Chicago. We did. We played the famous or infamous Canal Shores in uh, Evanston. We met. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a really unique course in the fact that you, you, you walk through the, the, like the city of Wilmette and Evanston on the way to other holes. And you're just, you know, urban golfing through the city. It's, it's cool. It's a very unique. Wait, that sounds dope. It, 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 it is very awesome. dope. Yeah. And, you know, there's some holes that you, you're playing right next to a, a busy street, you know, with buses and, and cars driving by. And, and then other parts of the course, you're you're totally secluded from from the city feel. So I'm, I'm really happy that that they're uh, they're saving that course. Yeah, and it's also on the the north branch of the Chicago River, so that's why it's called Canal Shore. So some holes are actually like a tee box will be on one side of the river, and the mm-hmm. fairway slash green will be on the other side of the river, which is really cool. And um, yeah, it's just it's a fun course. As you're saying, you know, you're crossing a city street. You know, I, I don't know what 63rd looks like or is set up like, but I, I'm imagining, you know, someone at a diner. <laughs> Like eating their meal and they're like looking out the window and seeing golfers cross the street. Like, where the hell am I? Yeah, it's not (laughs) be a perfect halfway house. Yeah, it's not. uh, So it's it's weird because like you know it's still there's 63rd and it's on the south side and it's kind of like you're in a you're a forest preserve, but on either end of the forest preserve there's like Lakeshore Drive on one side of the forest preserve towards the lake, and then on the other side of the forest preserve is like a community you know like a neighborhood so it's a it's a busy pass through but there's not really many um on 63rd there's not many businesses but when you get to the 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 south end all the way south end of the course you know there's a fence you don't cross the street but there's a fence that i think is on 67th i'm not sure i'm probably messing up these these street names i'm (laughs) not from the south side i've played jackson park a bunch of times but um, they don't really have like street signs on the golf course or anything like that, but, uh, right, right. <laughs> but, um, it's cool. Cause when you get to the very South end of the course, there's, there's actually a street and you're not really in the forest preserve. You're actually in the neighborhood. So when you look across the street, there's tons of buildings and apartments. And then there's actually a park that's like right on the other side of the fence of the golf course, but it's on the same side of the street. So you're like, you know, if you hit your drive off to the right into the, um, sh- you know, to the shit on the right, you're like kind of trying to get back on the fairway next to some kids, like going down slides and swinging, <laughs> which is kind of, <laughs> yeah. So I love Jackson That's Park. How you punch though. out kids. Yeah. If, if I could give one recommendation for a great day on the course, it's, it's Jackson Park. You know, they've got carts, mm-hmm. you can walk. It's an easier course, so anybody can play it. Um, and it's beautiful down there. Um, the ride down there is beautiful. Again, on Lakeshore Drive, heading through Hyde Park and, um, it's a great course. I love Chicago. I, I feel like we gotta we gotta take a little shrinks trip to Chicago and get some it's golf long in overdue. We do some yeah. sightseeing Midwest generally, yeah. but absolutely. I yeah. love that that type of course that you were describing, where you cross a street uh, while you're playing the course. There's there's so I I live in New York City, Pat and um, Beth Page Black, which is like the the beacon of New York public golf, has that same kind of thing. You play the first two holes, or sorry, it's even the first hole, and then you cross a street. A majority of the golf course is like on this other side of the street. 
and then you recross back and 16, 17, 18 are all on that, that opening stretch again. And there's something really like almost mythical or like some kind of hero's journey that you have where you're like the first hole is your ticket to ride and then you cross into this like <laughs> real adventure and then you're back again. And yeah. yeah, there's something kind of, I don't know, fun and like a, fa- like a fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's dope. You know, we, we, we play in Wisconsin too. And like Illinois courses are generally pretty flat. Um, but when you get into mm-hmm. like the Wisconsin, there's a lot more elevation that becomes like uh, in play that comes into play. Um, and that's kind of fun for us Chicago golfers. Cause all the nice clubs here, they don't, Elevation's not really a factor on any of the tee boxes or greens and stuff like mm-hmm. like that. I think you know if you play Shore Acres up on the lake in um, in Lake Bluff in Chicago, which is probably a top ten course. And I did a um, charity event this year there, and uh, that's probably the only course where you've got a par three that's got an elevated tee box. But um, outside of that, we get a lot of that kind of like fun elevation from from Wisconsin because there's you know, there's, um, there's elevation there that just doesn't exist here in, in, in the Chicagoland area. So, and Lake Bluff is damn near Wisconsin. So it yeah, makes, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, Wisconsin adjacent. Yeah. I mean, that's, we don't, we, we call you flatlanders for a reason. It's, it's flat down there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that. that so did he I've never oh, heard, okay. What did he say? <laughs> I've, <Yeah. laughs> I've never heard that term uh, before, but it makes a oh, lot really? of sense. Yeah, that's a Wisconsin thing. I think. Uh, no, they keep that, that in the bubble. Ever, yeah. I love the Midwest love affair that's happening right now. I'm just I know. Yeah, this, this is this is, is the most amazing. nice Midwest conversation ever. Midwest, but, nice. uh, <laughs> but Chicago. I'm curious. So, like, I I've spent a good amount of time in Chicago, probably three weeks total across my life, and I love it. It's a great city. Good culture. Good food. People are super friendly. But there is still that kind of like there. There's a sliver of East Coast grit in there somewhere. There's there's a little don't fuck with me, <laughs> don't fuck with my city kind of energy, and I I'm wondering where that comes from. Can you describe the sort of like loyal fervor that exists in Chicago somehow? I think for the same reason that we're like considered nice is that we also have that um, that grit, you know. And I think it comes from yeah. like a family kind of mindset, a family oriented, um, you know, kind of a relationship style that if like you're in the family, um, you know, we're nice, we take care of each other. And then if you th- threaten the family, um, mm. you know, we have to work hard, you know, and it's, it's not mm. about, it sounds like I'm alluding to violence, but Chicago's built a, in a segregated way, whether we like it or not, but And a lot of cities are, but like, you know, there's neighborhoods of uh, Irish, Polish, Italian, African-American, Jewish. And, uh, you know, I think there's lots of Midwestern hospitality, but um, when people immigrated here, they stuck together. And I think that, you know, we, everybody in those communities uh, wanted uh, a lifestyle, you know, and it meant hard work and it meant grit and it meant, you know, the city of big shoulders. So, um yeah, I, I, I attribute it as a positive thing to people that are here. And I think, you know, when I think of um, Chicago, I th- you know, there, 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 are, there are a lot of hard workers here. But I, I really, I think the energy in New York is un, unparalleled. You know, when you, when you get into New York, everyone's moving and grooving. And it feels like everyone's got a job. You know, and, and like working towards something, you know, when you get in a mid or seven, yeah. Or seven, 
you get to Midtown, you know, and on a weekday in the afternoon. And I mean, there's just so many people moving and grooving. It's a really good energy to be around. Chicago's not that busy. And uh, especially since the pandemic and, you know, our kind of um, our loop has uh, kind of shifted to more of like a work from home hybrid scenario. There's still days where you can feel that energy. But um, and I haven't really been in New York, you know, post pandemic that much, but from what I you know remember the last time I was there, I mean that that energy is still there. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Pat, I want to take it back a little bit too. Like, how did golf come into your life? It sounds like your family plays. Mm-hmm. Um, what has it meant for you throughout your life, and how does it fit into your life now? So my family plays, but like my dad's like maybe broken ninety once in his mm-hmm. golfing career. So, um, and my mom's like first generation. Her parents were from Ireland, so there wasn't really any golfing on my mom's side of the family. And then my dad, hmm. like my dad's family was poor growing up. Not, I don't want to say poor because that sounds insulting, but they weren't members at a golf court, you know, a golf club or anything like that. Like my grandfather was a police officer and, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to spend on a golf course membership. So my dad actually, um, he used to caddy at the, at the club that he's now a member at. So for him, it was like, Hell yeah. if I ever get there, you know, I'm going to become a member here where I've been caddying. So, um, and when I was little, I think like that really meant a lot to him and he wanted me to like have what he didn't have, you know? So, um, like a lot of dads, you know, force your young kids to take golf lessons when your kids don't want to take golf lessons. And, and, you know, looking back, I was, I wish I took them a lot more seriously, but, um, that's how it started, you know, getting kind of into, it. and then of course, watching golf and, you know, me being a kid in the early nineties, early two thousands and Tiger Woods kind of becoming what he be, is now and how exciting that was to watch with my family and my dad, especially, um, that was big for me. And, uh, I still enjoy watching golf on the weekends with my, with my family. So, and then, um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I lost touch with the sport. Um, in high school, I played a little bit and college came around. I started working in music and, um, just didn't really have time for it until pandemic hit in 2020. And I started playing again with all my friends who had either joined a club or been playing a little bit for the last couple of years. And, um, mm. Yeah. And it really kicked off. So I I think like in 2020, I was probably shooting 120, 130, you know, just going out having fun and really not even in good enough shape to play 18. You know what I mean? Like it was tough Mm. to, you know, to even with a cart, you know, to get out there. I think because I was just swinging, you know, too many practice swings, you know, just just too much. And um, and then, you know, by 21, I think I was like closer to 100. And then last year, you know, shooting in the 90s, which has been fun. And you know, now I'm, I'm anywhere from 110 to, you know, 95, which is, which is where I like to be. And, um, it's good and golf's great. It's been a great, you know, thing for me as I'm getting older and, you know, we can't run up and down the basketball court like we could in our twenties. So golf's kind of a fun way to, <laughs> to stay active in our thirties. I, I miss it sometimes though, you know, just being able to go to a, go to a gym be able to move. Yeah, skip skip the ball. Right. Yeah, let me get up some shots. Oh, y'all y'all running five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me get in. Let me get in. Next I took one. it for and granted. Then just go home and be fine. I took it yeah. for granted. You wake up the next day. Yeah, I'd be mad because I didn't yeah. score that much, but 
you know, now if I could just run up and down the court for an hour, like I did, I'm saying. you know, I'd be like, man, that's so great. But like in my, when I was 25 or 21 or whenever we were doing that, it was like, I'd be more concerned about the, the performance of point, right. point scoring. Yeah, side. exactly. Yeah. And not stat stuffer. Exactly. And like, not, uh, you know, now I'd just be grateful to just have the endurance to last a game, one game. <laughs> yeah. We all got old at the same time. We all like this all happened collectively. Yeah, I feel recently. like I feel like the pandemic. You know, like when life tells you to sit down for like six months to a year, yo, that does something to your mind, to your body, and your spirit. And for real, not to get all like weird and shit, but I I really think that don't get weird. Yeah, I really think get that weird. it did Go that. Crazy. You know, it did. Yeah. So it's like that's and like you know pulling yourself out of like hey I'm, I'm not gonna be at home every day. I got to get up, get back into a healthier routine you know what i mean so i i think it was tough and like i turned 30 february of 2020 so like you know like it was like right at that time where i was like going from 20s kid kind of vibe to like 30s not a kid not a in my opinion not really an adult either but um but like Hmm. you know just not in your 20s anymore so it was tough i think to start the 30s off with just like you just got to sit at home and be scared for a year you know right nothing (laughs) really yeah yeah I, I, yeah, I don't think we have like we're out of the pandemic now, but I I still think we have some catching up to do in terms of unpacking the mental and emotional trauma that the pandemic caused for us to just like be forced at home. I feel like yeah. we all just sort of like got back to it with not much cultural reckoning about like what happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what it's fucking fuck crazy when you think about what happened. Like I was just I was I saw like a, a video on it on Instagram Instagram or somewhere and they were showing New York during like the heart of the lockdown and it was like Times Square completely empty during the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah like midtown just ghost town. crickets. No yeah it was a ghost town. And it's like that's insane to think that there was a time that people did not leave their house. There were no cars on the highway. It looked like we were in uh, the fucking walking dead or something like it was crazy. Right. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's good. You know, like it, I think it's, it's balance, you know, like the pendulum had swung so hard and in one direction of like, you know, life just was nonstop for a lot of people. And then this pendulum swung in the other direction of like, now it's just going to be all stop for everybody. You know, I think both sides have their benefits and then obviously their drawbacks. So it's like kind of taking what we've gained from this period of rest and applying it to what we're going to be doing, you know, in this period of kind of getting after it. So I think it's good, but like change is tough, you know, growing's hard. So, um, you know, like just getting back into the world and, and kind of, you know, with a growth mindset is not as easy as just probably not as easy as just if we weren't stopped at all, you know, just continuing, you know, mm-hmm. what we were doing. How do you generally deal with growth, Pat, as a, as a, as a very entrepreneurial fellow, as somebody who's like, seems like you have your, your hands in a lot of buckets. Um, how, how does change work within your life, given that it's probably pretty constant for you? Mm. So growth and change. Hmm. I think you got to be, I've always been kind of of the mindset that you have to be open to growth, although it can be, like I said, it can be scary and it's probably going to be hard. Um, Hmm. And it's, I think, 
if you're thinking about change and you're thinking about growth, it's it's probably more of like a long term mindset, you know. I think when you when you're talking about growth and when you're looking at a, a, a time span of years and decades, how does uh, how does patience fit into your life? Because I feel like there's a lot of crossover between having patience on the golf course mm-hmm. and being patient in in life when you're when you're seeing change and growth happening, but it might not be exactly when you're hoping for it to, to do that. But when you're talking about decades, that's mm. you need patience. If, if you're, if you're going to go through something like that, how does that, how does that fit in your life? Yeah. I think that's such a great question because like patience in this day and age is, um, if you can harvest it and you can hold it, it's, it's a rare valuable commodity because the way that we've been programmed by social media is to as soon as something happens, like last week, I heard you guys' pod about. I heard the pod. I heard the pod, and I heard the um, instant takes on Drake's album. You know, <laughs> and this is it's kind of everything. You know, like there's blogs. People give their reactions right away, and mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that, and this kind of ties back into Connor's question, is like this idea of processing. You know, like really. Mm-hmm taking the time to figure out how we feel about something I think is a lost kind of art or emotional kind of connection that we have within ourselves. Cause we're, we're all so reactive. As soon as something happens, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on, we're seeing what other people think about it. We're talking to our friends, we're in the group chat, you know, Oh, this is wild or this is cool. Or this is, and um, there's times and places for that. So don't get me wrong. Um, and I love that, but I also think that there's an art to, processing things, you know, and, um, not allowing, allowing yourself to have emotions and to be reactive, but to also, you know, have your higher self be present with those emotions and with those reactions and your higher self saying, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to have reactions, but don't let this control your life, you know, like process Mm -hmm. this, figure out how you really feel. And, you know, one of the ways I think like the, one of the best examples when I'm talking about this concept that I give to people is like, you know, when you go through a breakup with someone, the process is really important because on day one, you're sad. And if you don't process and you just act on the sadness, you go down one path, you know, and on day two, you're mad, you know, and if you don't process, you act on being mad, you go down a path and then day three, you're happy, you know, and a, And if you don't, you know, process, you go down a path, you know, and like all those paths kind of can have their, their benefits and drawbacks. But the purpose is, is like be in those emotions and, you know, process all of them and create a palette of how you feel. Cause we're all very Mm -hmm. complex individuals. Like I'm not just mad. I'm not just sad. I'm not just happy. I'm confused. And so you know, for a long time, I've been telling people I want to bring back like, yo, yo, Pat, how do you feel about this? It's like, I want to make it cool again to say like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, I, love that. I don't know how I feel, you know, I'm still processing, you know, like I, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it's a really powerful thing to, to, to realize. And when I get worked up about stuff, I'll be in the car and the gym and I've been thinking to myself, like, why am I so worked up? And then I'll realize like, oh yeah, I just haven't processed this. And like, it's like a, a needle hit the balloon and the air deflates out of my stress, you know? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can just process this, you know? It's okay not to know how I feel right now. So I think, 
Mm. You know, the patience, it's, you know, that, that really is, you have to be patient with yourself and give yourself that time and grace to say, Hey, it's okay that I don't know, you know, and, um, how this Mm. ties in with golf too, is you hit a bad shot. We've all played with this player. Immediately they diagnose, like I picked my head up or I shifted my weight. It's like, sometimes I look at my friends, I'm like, maybe just hit a bad shot. You know, like don't, (laughs) don't try to like, don't try to analyze, you know, like let, Mm -hmm. let go a little bit, be patient with yourself. And, um, you know, don't try to like really dial into one part of your game. And, uh, I had a really good friend who's an amazing golfer. Who's like, you know, you think pros are on the course, like trying to fix their swing during a round, like hell no, they're playing the game. Mm -hmm. And if they miss a shot, they miss a shot and they move on, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. sorry, I got into my process bit there, but it's, it's something that I really, um, it's helped me a lot. So I wanted to share it. I've actually been thinking a lot about how people process things, especially with all the things that are are going on in in the world right now. Um, but I, I think it's, it's almost a generational approach to how you process the world and grief, trauma, happiness, success, like our generation, I guess, you know, millennials are, we, we grew up before social media. Uh, we were not digitally native when we were, you know, four or five, six necessarily. Some maybe it might've been. So we, we were able to learn how to process things and not have to have some sort of real time reaction or real time, you know, statement to put out into the world. Whereas I feel like the the next generation behind us and the, the ones behind them, they feel like they need to, like, I feel like they process things online, socially, like mm-hmm. they're putting out their thoughts on social raw online, whatever channels, platforms, raw thoughts. Yeah, well, Obviously, thoughts. yeah, very, very raw. But I feel like that's how they have learned how to process things. And it has to like immediately go out into the world regardless of, of having any, any thought or filter or, uh, I don't know. It's, it's really complex, but I'm sure there'll be books written about this someday. But I, 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 I've been thinking <laughs> about that a lot of, of like, why do people feel like they need to share something immediately of what they, about anything, um, mm. whether oh, yeah. or not they've thought about it or process it at all. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. a lot of people are trying to determine or, um, understand what they are too. So it's like mm-hmm. that that coming of age. So it's like when something happens in the world, a lot of people who maybe are coming of age or trying to understand like what they stand for, they they'll make like um, a dramatic statement like, "No, I'm I'm for or I'm against this," you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think there is an element of like, um, you know, where I'm in, I'm 33, but I mean, when I was 16. To even today, there are things that I'm completely ignorant about, but there's an element of kind of like you get dropped in the deep end and there's all sorts of opinions and different people with different backgrounds and you kind of are hearing a lot of different things. And and so, you know, not what I I guess I'm trying to communicate at the end of the day is like not everybody's going to get it right, you know, the first time around. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like we, we all got to kind of we get dropped in the deep end and, uh, you know, we'll all make it out. But it's not good. You know, nobody's going to be batting a thousand, you know, by the time they get to the shadow end, they're chilling, you know. There's so much pressure to to get it right. Yeah. Um, and and to have a reaction on a peer to peer level. Why didn't you have a reaction to this? Why don't you have an opinion on this? And certainly, as you alluded to, Pat, from a 
from a platform to you level too. Mm. The platforms require engagement. Mm. They demand it. And when you see all of your friends putting up a a spicy infographic <laughs> or put out a podcast with a reaction to Drake's latest album, <laughs> <laughs> you feel compelled to have a stance too mm-hmm. because that's that's what's happening that's what that's the the clout of the day the clout du jour mm-hmm. and yeah i don't think that's healthy but to your point i think it seems like just the act of reminding yourself i don't need to react to this right now whatever this is that's so powerful mm. yeah yeah just the self assurance the internal hand on the shoulder to say like you don't you don't need to react to this right now yeah and that applies to golf too, for sure. If we want to go there, like <laughs> <laughs> you can just be in the moment and, and experience it in the time it takes for you to experience it or process it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked about, um, reparenting. We've talked about this on the show before mm-hmm. that, that is a perfect example of how you can reparent yourself. Um, not caving to peer pressure, right? Like that's and that's something like all our parents reminded us of. We we're, <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna jump off a bridge if Mikey does it? You know, yeah. are you gonna react to Drake's album if if Connor does it? You know what I'm saying? Like, so so to reparent yourself in that sense is like, yo, the hand on the shoulder, like, yay, take a beat, yeah, put the yeah. phone down, take put put the phone down. You're teaching yourself, yeah. you know, you're you're teaching yourself to to be slower to react, to be slower to anger, to be slower to, you know, whatever, whatever that emotion, uh, whatever that emotion is, you're teaching yourself to slow it down. Mm. And in a digitally charged age, it's like we, we really, really need that. It's a practice of having your higher self with, with your thoughts and emotions, you know, like, uh, Mm. you know, being conscious, you know, kind of like the, the Buddhist mentality of like, there are these thoughts that are, that, that, that come across, but our higher self is there kind of observing these thoughts. And, and, um, you know, a good example of what we were talking about. I have this group chat on my block here in Chicago and I love it cause I can stay in touch with what's happening on the block. Like there's going to be a party next weekend that I'm going to. And, but there's, um, there's one neighbor that um you know what it's not even a it's it's not even about the neighbor or anything like that it's about sometimes bad stuff happens you know someone on the blocks in the hospital you know someone's passed away and i'll i'll be like you know going about my day and i'll look at my phone and i'll see like um a text from my neighbor saying like someone's nephew's in the hospital please please pray for them. And it's like, it's like, I, I, um, now do I have sympathies for that? Of course, of course, of course. But, um, there's also a thought that I have to myself is like, damn, this is kind of like bringing me down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, um, Mm -hmm. it's like, I was just going about my day. I don't even know this person. I know my neighbor, but I don't know their friend's (laughs) nephew. And like, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. we all have stuff that's going on with our lives. Right. And so like on that day, I decided like, I'm going to mute the neighbor chat and I'm going to be involved in the neighborhood. But like, I don't want my day to get interrupted with some, to me, what, like that was a traumatic text to get. And it kind of fucked up my day. 
And mm-hmm. one, because it was like, you know, there's person out there that's really suffering. And two, it's because it's like, I didn't really need to see this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is not mm-hmm. part of my world, but it's been injected into my world, you know? And so yeah. when you apply that to like what we all have on social media, like, actually, if you guys know, notice my socials, I don't follow anybody on socials. For me, it's mm-hmm. a it's an outlet for me, you know? And like, we, I talk to people every day. I look at my discover page i i send funny reels to my friends back and forth all the time but i just to to have the input of that much information you know just one text can fuck up my vibe you know Mm -hmm. so it's like if i have multiple platforms where i'm following potentially thousands of people it's like all that input is like man how do how do we stay on course for our own growth (laughs) and how do we stay you know higher self how do we stay conscious with all this incoming? So I've, um, yeah. it sounds like I don't care about other people's problems, and, but it's not that I do care. And if I could, if I could be the best version of myself, then I can help the most people. But if I'm constantly dragged into other people's lives then I can't be the best version of myself. So, right. yeah, we weren't as humans. We weren't wired for that. Yeah. Like <laughs> if I, if I were born in, Djibouti, you know, do I, do I know your friends, neighbors, nephew? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm worried about Djibouti shit. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> that's what, that's what matters. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm plugged in, I'm tapped into what's around me yeah. and, and the things I got to do day to day, make sure I got food in my belly, uh, a roof over my head. So in a way, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we're, we, we weren't wired for that. And it, mm-hmm. that's fair and that's valid to to do what you need to do to keep your peace um something you you said a few times is that you bring up the higher self and i love thinking about the higher self um in to me like that version of higher self is what i uh, i refer to as like reparenting like mm-hmm. what is what is present day bradford gonna do for 13 year old Bradford, how can I soothe, comfort, listen, talk to that version of me? Cause that's, you know, that person is with me at all times. Um, but what is that? How does that show up for you? What does that mean to you? The higher self? Mm. Well, I get anxious a lot and, um, dealt with terrible anxiety in my twenties. And, um, I think like, um, as you get older, you know, you have the anxious part of you and then you kind of have, like, I would have like my, another, um, part of me that would be like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. But they would be at odds. Like, and it would be, it would be kind of like, I'd be pulling myself from one end to the other, you know? And I, mm. I think as you get older and develop strategies and you talk to people, you potentially create a regimen that works for yourself, whether that includes, you know, you know, health and medication, um, body, you know, like, um, body positivity and going to the gym and stuff like that. But, uh, I think it's like, um, I built a relationship with my higher self that I began to trust more, you know, when I, when Mm -hmm. I told myself like, Hey, you're, you're really anxious right now. Like I had, I had Tuesday this week. I, I was really anxious. Like I, I was out of Prozac, so I didn't take Prozac for one day, and I was like, fuck. And, like, 
my therapist told me on Thursday, yesterday, she was like, it stays in your system for 72 hours, so you're good. But mentally, I was like, this is kind of throwing me off. And then I woke up with like cramps in my legs. And I was like, I'm ha- now I'm having like a physical kind of mm. situation. And then I was dealing with some stressful stuff with work. And uh, by the end of the day, it was like 6.30, I, sh- I shut my computer and I was like, man, I'm fucked up right now. You know, like mm. I'm stressed with work. My body hurts. and I didn't take Prozac today. It's kind of like all this stuff's working against me. And, but I, but my, you know, higher self was there and like my higher self when I was younger would say one peep and then I'd go right back to worrying. Now, you know, I'm like, uh, okay, it's going to be okay. Like let's identify all these things that are stressing you and it all makes sense. You know, it's not just out of nowhere and let's, let's take some steps. So it's like, go take a hot shower, do a skincare routine. I came down, I turned on my fireplace and, you know, I, mm. I just like, you know, I think there was a ALCS game on, I took a little hour nap at like eight 30 at night, you know, just to like mm. reset the vibe. And it's just trusting oh, yeah. that kind of that higher self more giving that person, giving yourself, giving that higher self of the time, you know, in your, it's such a odd thing to talk about because we're talking about people, you know, and our, you know, like Mm -hmm. our egos and our personas that that we have. Um, But giving them, you know, the respect that they deserve. And it's, that's a practice, you know. And when I was younger, Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't give that person that would say to me, you're going to be okay, you know, just here are the things that are stressing you out. And here's some things that you could do to like reset, you know, and now I've been, I've been able to cultivate kind of a respect and a relationship with that higher self who's, it's kind of like, you know, the players are playing like shit on the court, but the higher self is Phil Jackson, you know, and he's like, <laughs> I can see everything, bro. Just listen to me. Yeah. You know? Yo. Yeah. 100%. And, and like the players, yeah, speaking my language, the players maybe. on the court are like, what the fuck are we doing wrong? You know? And, and then Phil's like, listen, you know, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And then it's like, ah, well, thanks for helping me recognize that. And now what can we do to like, you know, remediate this situation? And then we all get together and we do it and we feel better about, you know, our, our lives and stuff like that. So yeah, hmm. that's how that's a great I, analogy. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think one thing, Pat, that you kind of touched on too that I I, thought, I think about a lot is um, when you think about the younger version of yourself, um, having the awareness of, of like knowing the signs of anxiety or knowing the signs mm-hmm. of stress or depression uh, when we were kids or when we were younger or before we were aware of that or before we had talked to a therapist or a friend about it, we didn't know why we were feeling those feelings. So we didn't even know how to cope or work through them without you know without using uh you know take like prozac and things are, are amazing but if, if you didn't have that for a day or and obviously maybe as a kid you didn't it's like we didn't even know that we needed something to that there was something wrong with us we're just like i feel anxious i feel stressed mm. and sometimes you don't even us, know no. what you're feeling yeah. too yeah. like for yeah, a long you don't know. for a long time yeah. i didn't even know what stress was or anxiety was you know what i mean but i was experiencing mm. it yeah. you know what i mean and, like and, yeah yeah well, and, I, and i think it's really beautiful now that now that as you know adults that have the awareness of it we we know what's about to happen so we can kind of uh remediate mm-hmm. it hopefully but yeah. or even if we can't like you said you can do your skincare you can do you know you can take some wind down time 
and and just have that time to, to just sit in it um so i think that's for me i found that's a really beautiful thing to be able to just have the awareness and know what what's what the feelings are because for such a long time and and for many people i'm sure they don't even know what it is they're feeling they just feel bad and they feel off mm. so i think that's great that um you know people can get to the, the it can get better you can you can get to that place yeah and i th- i think like what we all do too as young adults we numb you know we drink mm-hmm. we do drugs we you know are promiscuous we go on dates we kind of you know there's a stressor there's an anxiety factor in all of our lives from work or from school and then you know the concept is is like we go out every night or we go out on the weekends and we numb these things but you I always call those things like an eject ejection seat, you know, like I have a plane, yeah. like they'll get you out of the jam, but like, bro, if you don't learn how to fly a plane, you're going to be pulling that <laughs> ejection sheet and it's going to be fucking you up. Right. Like you can only pull that ejection button so many times. And so I, you yeah. know, I think I shared this with you, Drew. I stopped. Uh, I know it looks like I'm drinking like crazy horse, like malt liquor right now, but it's, <laughs> but it's, Oh, we're huge fans of liquid death. We love yeah. it's liquid, liquid death. death. And, um, I stopped drinking about two and a half years ago and hmm. it's been another really positive thing where again, like I don't have the eject button in my cockpit. It's like, no, I've got to learn how to land this shit. I've got to land this safely. And, um, I've really enjoyed that process. And uh, sometimes it sucks. Like on Tuesday, I was like, fuck, it'd be nice to have a cocktail right now and just forget about this shit. But again, that's an eject button. I feel like you shouldn't be in the habit of using, although it's fair to use sometimes, you know, if you're, if you have a healthy relationship with those types of substances. And, um, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been good to like, uh, learn how to land the plane instead of hitting the eject button all the Mm. time. Like I did in college and stuff like that. Going back to the the higher self, we asked this to most of the guests that we have on the show, um, but I almost I want to like re reposition or repivot the question for you a little bit. Given this conversation, if you had an opportunity to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself, mm. oh shit, what would the conversation look like? But in this case, you know, we almost we typically frame that as a child, right? Like the, the eight year old version of you, the 10 year old version of you. Mm. But given what you shared about your anxiety in your twenties, I'm almost more curious about that version of Pat. If you could play a round of golf with 25 year old Pat, who's struggling with anxiety, what do you think the conversation throughout that round of golf would look like? And not even necessarily the advice that you would give, but just like what, what would the higher self version of you now share with him Mm. i think it's that idea of processing Mm. you know because i think what caused a lot of my anxiety in my 20s was trying to identify how i felt about things you know driving myself crazy about why i feel this way or what's going on and in the search for you know understanding of myself or my feelings and emotions and thought processes, you know, I never gave myself a break to say, it's okay that you don't know, you know? Right. And so you're just being like constantly diagnostic with yourself. Yeah. And, um, as opposed to being like, I just feel like shit and that's okay. Yeah. Or like, 
I don't know how I feel too, you know, like sure. it's okay to just be like, I don't know, you know, cause like, what's, yeah. what, what do we do every time we see somebody, how you doing? What's going on? What are you working on? And like, I know it's not like nice to say this, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm just chilling dog. Like <laughs> back up. <laughs> like I don't have, I don't have, it's like, I don't really want to get into my back up, you know, my life with Pop you. Off. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but it's just like, you know, we come up, I come up with strat. Everything's good, man. You know, like that's it, you know, and that's, but yeah, I would, I would just, that idea of processing, it's, it's been a big breakthrough for me. Um, like, uh, my therapist told me, you know, those dogs and windows when you walk by, and you're not even doing anything, but the dog will just start going crazy. That's how like I used to be a little bit like whatever would walk by positive, negative, anything, there would be a reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you could just be the sleepy dog in the window, man. You don't have to do anything. Like it's, mm-hmm. you could just chill, you know, and you don't have to react and you don't have to know how you feel. But the reactive person only knows one thing that they need to react. Like Hmm. you can feel like you don't have to react, you know, you could just figure it out, you know, process it a little bit. And that helped me. I was like, I don't want to be that dog in the window anymore. I just want, Hmm. I'll be a sleepy dog in the window, but I'm not going to be the one that's screaming at everything that goes by good or bad. You know what I mean? I'm going to advocate for that dog just for a second. Yeah, go. (laughs) The, the dog has been taught that the louder it barks, the more that it gets, the quicker, yeah. the quicker that it gets that thing to go away. Mm. So, this this reactive dog has been taught by, you know, its life experiences, and I'll bring it back to our human experiences, like um, reacting to stress or depression or anxiety or happiness with like a thing, like oh, yeah. this thing happened, I must do this thing because this thing feels good, mm. or you know two plus two is four, you know, I do a thing when something happens and I get the result, whether it's the right thing to do or not, like I get a result. Mm. Mm. So uh, just to advocate for that dog, it's been taught for sure. <laughs> it's been conditioned that mm. this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Whereas a sleepy dog's like, Oh, you okay. That's what's up. Mm. I'm doing me though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. This this nap this nap is busting. Right now, <laughs> so y'all need to know. <laughs> That's true though. Like dogs, you know, they say like, "Are you training your dog, or is your dog training you?" And then you also apply that to people. You know, like we, whether we realize it or not, like we train each other mm. on mm-hmm. nonverbal, verbal communication styles. Like when when somebody gives you a look, like you know. Uh, how to react to that look you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i and i again i think it's that you know being able to process and having your higher self available to you can have a reaction but it's like let's make sure that this is a healthy interaction a healthy communication of how you're feeling and that hopefully you know ends up of you know everybody getting what they want which is understood and supported you know yes that's it (laughs) That's it. At the end of the day, dog. That's it. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Get me. See me. Yeah. See me. See me. Oh, uh, damn. I know you. You'd sent me that list of um, 
meat and potatoes questions that I, I did give some thought to. So if we want to run through those, but either oh, let's run it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, we always ready. All right. <laughs> We'll, 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 we'll lighten the mood here. Uh, I'm going to cross Pat. my legs for this. I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pat, I know, I know you're a, you're a, you're a music man. You're a, a, a grizzly veteran of the music industry. <laughs> what would be your walk-up song at a golf tournament? So I gave us a lot of um, thought today, um, but I think it would be never scared by bone crusher. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think oh we have any bone God. pressure on the playlist. We no, absolutely no, do first. not. Yeah. And I got to shout out my guy, Nico, from Hidden Characters. Last night, they did a beautiful 10-year anniversary event, and he put on Never Scared by Bone Crusher in the middle of dinner. And I was just like, yeah, this is one of the one of the ones, you know? So, And I was going through, I was going to, you know, I had something cooler, a little bit more hip, you know, but I was just mm-hmm. like, no, that was a sign. It's got to be Bone Crusher, Never Scared. That's Dope. Yeah. Run it back. I'm Love obsessed it. with that answer. Yeah. That's a good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll send you the we'll send you the full playlist after the the show. We yeah. have every every walk up song from every guest of the 80 guests that we've had. So incredible. It's. But yeah, bone. This is the first bone crusher. So Sick. thank you for that. Of course. <laughs> bone crusher comes on. You go out there and do the damn thing. You win the tournament. You bring home the trophy. Next year, the tournament invites you back. And you get to host a champion's dinner in your honor. What's on the menu at your champion's dinner? Simple, just Italian family style, you know, sausage Mm. and peppers, you know, lasagna, gravy. Yeah. Mm. You know, a little ragu, just something really, (laughs) just something fun. You know, like I, I I would imagine a dinner where everybody's, Everybody's just enjoying. It's not too much of waiters getting in, setting down plates and utensils. It's the food's down, and we're all enjoying and and having a good time. And yeah, that I, that's that's what I envision as a fun championship dinner, champions dinner. What are we uh, What are we pairing this champions dinner with? Mm, probably a bunch of wine for everybody. You know who wants to drink wine? I'm probably drinking at least two liters of Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> hell yeah yeah and probably some cigs too you know just <laughs> some cappuccinos after after the some dats yeah some some darts and cappuccinos yeah have and... a have a cap and a dart <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm there i'm there that's a chicago ass answer <laughs> yeah Italian food, cigs. I think Drew, you were feeding me darts on the golf course last time we played. I, man, Sounds may, about right. May or may not have happened. I'm sure that <laughs> yeah. we both we little... both said the classic. Oh, we only smoke when we're on the course, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Drew is a it little works. dart dart tooth fairy. Yeah, <laughs> shepherding us. The dart fairy. It's, all, it's, a, yeah. it's you know what happens on the golf course. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, Pat, I mean, I'm guessing we'd want a little no fine print wine. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. Should, yeah. It was right We there. should plug yeah, that. Plug. I, uh, yeah. I laid, I teed that up for you, dog. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, shamelessly <laughs> plugging things is not really my forte, but yeah, of course I'd love to have some. No, I, sh- I tried to shove you into the corner. Like, yeah. Do, oh do yeah. Do it. Do it. Say it. We um give yourself your flowers. Yeah, we've you know the wine company, we you know, no fine print. It's uh it's been fun. We had make oh, a great yeah. cabernet, Sauvignon Blanc. We 
we we started in 2018. We're coming up on six years being in the game, and like we're you know it's it's been amazing. Um, we're all over the United States. We're in the UK, Ireland, Japan, Korea. Um, we're working on a few other markets right now, and we've had amazing supporters, um, specifically from the Foxtrot Group that's based out of Chicago, which has been amazing. And um, yeah, it's um, it's been a lot of fun, and and you know. <laughs> I always have the question of like, oh, you don't drink, but you own a winery. It's like, yeah, you know, and like maybe, maybe that's like a good thing, you know, like I want to bring in, we were going to do this trip. Like there's always these incentive trips for salespeople, right? You know, we have salespeople all over the world at this point. And um, it's like, uh, I, and people do like trips to Italy and trips to Spain, mm. trips to Greece. And, you know, you kind of just get together and you eat like shit. You drink like a fucking fish and like, you know, you have a great time. But we put together this trip and uh, we're going to do it in the spring. And we're going to bring out, you know, five of our best salespeople and their spouses or their friend or whoever. And um, to Puna Mita, Mexico, the four seasons in Puna Mita, Mexico. And it's going to be like a drink if you want trip, but it's really going to be like, a, this is a time for you to like, you're not going to be forced to do anything that, that involves drinking. Now, if you want to drink, you can do it, but you know, like mm-hmm. we have yoga, we've got food classes. We're going to do surfing. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a spa day. And it's like a lot yeah. of the people that I know who work in yeah. the alcohol industry, wine, beer, spirits, sales distribution or being a producer like we all enjoy i used to enjoy those nights of going out and drinking but there's not like no wine producer no spirit producer no beer producer has ever said come on my incentive trip and don't drink you know right and right I, I just envision i had this vision of like man i i want there to be a story one day about like there was this guy who has an alcohol company who doesn't want you to drink you know and like i just <laughs> think that that that's powerful you know, I think mm-hmm. if we can give people a, a haven of like, hey, you got to drink every day for your job. You could come and relax and just chill for four or five days and just like give your body and mind a break, you know? Yeah. One thing I wanted to say about um, about you being the founder of a company, uh, uh, you know, wine company that doesn't drink. Uh, this is an old country ass saying, but a lot of people can't read the sign on the door that says bathroom. Don't mean they know don't know how to use one. You know what I'm saying? I like that. It was kind of crazy, you know, like when we started, I was a drinker and I've always been a drink, like, you know, I'm Irish. Like I said, my mom's first generation, like drinking's like an, an Irish, it's drinking in Irish people. It's a pastime. Right. But I, mm-hmm. I was blessed in the fact that like, I didn't hit rock bottom to stop drinking. Like I just, I made a personal decision, um, which I'm blessed for, I think in a lot of ways. And, um, like, uh, it's funny because like I worked in music, like, all right, college kid drinking is like really high, you know? And then like music drinking is like really high. And I thought like graduated from like, you know, I'd be like, I'd be going to colleges and we'd be doing like shows at colleges and college kids be like, I can now drink you. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking, I'm on a tour bus 200 days a year. (laughs) Like, you know, nothing. (laughs) And then like, just when I thought it couldn't get any crazier, then like that style of drinking, it was like, oh, I'm now I'm going to, I'm going to start a winery. I'm going to own a winery. And like, that was just, <laughs> and it just sent me over the edge. I was just like, you know, and I, I always love drinking. I always have a great time, but it was just like, as you get older, like these hangovers, man, two, three, four days. And I was just like, 
Yeah. I'm not the sure. ROI here is not working out, you right. know? Yeah. So yeah, the math's not mathing. the math's not mathing. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. Exactly. I mean to be fair, as a, a you know, a thirty year old sober person, you had you had lived many drinking lives in that short amount oh, of time. God, yes. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like it wasn't like you didn't get your money's worth yeah, over you got that. Your five you know, years in. Yeah. Over that like For twelve sure. years. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. You, you, you did it. I'd love sick. to know the stats of like, you know, <laughs> Like if my if we're if there's like a chart and everyone's got like a bar of like leaders drink oh, in their oh. life. Yeah, yeah. I want numbies. Because I'm like Yeah, give me the numbies. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty big unit, you know, I'm like six two, <laughs> three hundred yeah. pounds. Like I you know, I used to put them away. So mm. <laughs> unshakable. A, a, a pet a pet a pet's dozen every night. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like that. It wasn't an every night thing, but when we went, we went, you know. Yeah, it was. Fun. If you go be a bear, be a grizzly. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, damn. Moving along with our meat and potatoes questions, um, to the sensory environment, what are some of your favorite golf smells? Smells. I think it's just got to be out the, the outdoor that grass smell. You know, I, th- I, you know, I was thinking about this question. I was like, man, I wonder if people say like new grips, like that rubber, or people say like a new golf glove, that leather, you know, like golf balls don't really have a okay. smell compared to like, um, tennis balls, you know? So I was like, like would, anybody, right. yeah, would anybody ever say golf balls? But, um, you know, the, the, the yeah, maybe it's like, yeah. Maybe it's like, you know, the old guy is smoking a cigar that you see it, you know, and the, he's in the group in front of you. You see him at every tee box. It's a nice little smell. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but I think it's. You see a little cloud of smoke following him yeah. everywhere he goes. Just that smell, that grass. Like a ghost. You know, that. that, that, yeah, the, that it's a winner. It's just a winner. Yeah. I love that. It's just the grass. Oh, it's, it, this yeah. is, it's, your, it's your favorite smell, Pat. So that, that, there's no wrong answer. There's right. No, no wrong yep. answer. Yeah. Um, moving along the, the the various senses, we added this question this season. Uh, golf sounds. What do you what do you like to hear when you're out there? Man, I got to tell you what I thought about this too. And obviously, I think a lot of people love like just like puring a, a driver off the tee. That that feeling, that sound. That's that's got to be number one in a lot of people's book, and maybe it's number one in my book. But something that I thought was a little bit more creative is like you know when you're in the fairway. And you've got like a, you know, like a seven iron in your hand and that perfect fucking practice swing where the club just brushes the grass perfectly. Bitch. And it's just like the best fucking sound and feeling ever where you're just like, and you can see the grass kind of like, kind of like the fabric of the grass, like is there's like perfect kind of swoosh on it. And, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's like one of the most satisfying feelings like that really good, just brush over the grass where you're like, all right, I'm locked in. And then of course you go and you line up your real shot and you f- completely fuck it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I shouldn't have wasted it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that first one, the, the, yeah, yeah it's like what could have been, you know, there's, yeah. there's <laughs> fleeting, there's fleeting potential. Yeah, in that sound yeah. too. It's like, ooh, that's sexy. That that's feeling nice. it feels so yeah. good. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think it was a TikTok series of, uh, it's like the Olympics of practice swings. Like <laughs> this person was just like recording their friends' practice swings and like awarding them medals. Like that is a beautiful looking practice swing. Like, did you take a divot? Did you, you know, brush the grass perfectly? That's how good. was your form? Like all of it. Yeah, um, I love that. 
uh, what is your, or do you even have an emotional support item in your golf bag? It's probably nicotine. It's probably nicotine. You. <laughs> you know, it's some it's various some forms. form of yeah. nicotine, whether it's one of Drew's cigarettes or um, <laughs> or a or a Zin. You know, Zins are nice. Um, my dad, one of my dad's buddies, chews a lot of Nicorette, so those are nice. Um, Nicorette is a sleeper, in my opinion. It really is. Never had it. It's a sleep. You've never had it. Yeah. Uh-uh. I'll, g- I'll give you some next week. It's a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> There's something yeah. but uh yeah and like you know i think that's i put my phone away when i'm when i'm playing so i'm never mm-hmm. on my phone which is a really nice feeling and um yeah you know when when things are going right it's like fuck it let's just have some fun let's let's rip a dart you know <laughs> let's rip a dart or let's sig you know some guys will have a joint out there i'll, I'll hit a joint every now and then even though i don't drink i'll still I'll still dabble in that from time to time. California sober. Yeah. Cali sober. Exactly. Yeah. That's my yeah. preferred method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel. Yeah. I like it. You know, I'm not like uh I, I don't smoke like I used to, but you know, if I smoke once a month these days, like I'm partying, you know what I mean? Like yeah. so. <laughs> I tonight, went crazy. Tonight's the, tonight's the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got out of hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fell asleep at seven thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Me. Yeah. Oh, also maybe some like <laughs> snack too. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh. like hitting the halfway house and getting like a solo cut full of peanut M and M's or something at like a nice course. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And like a diet coke, like that's fire. Mm. That's good. Shit. Know, yeah, gotta have a DC. Get some yeah, sugar. Love you love DC too. You love the diet cokes. I do. Yeah. yeah. Where are you on um, one? The the uncrustable. Oh, we love it. Right. Yeah. We love Uncrustables. Yeah. yeah. We want yeah. we want Big Jelly to sponsor the podcast so bad. Big Smuck. Big Smuck. Smuckers. We love an Uncrustable. Wasn't line. there just a big favorite. acquisition? Didn't Smuckers just buy somebody or somebody just buy Smuckers? Was there was some business news with Smuckers recently. We should know this, actually, because we I feel like should. that's why we were talking about it. We're the, big like, supporters there some, of the there brand. There was some, yeah. Yeah. It happened. Like, I think Pat, you don't understand. We've been manifesting Smuckers. We want those Uncrustables in our golf bags mm-hmm. permanently. You guys should make like a little like um, distributors with whim. You should get like a little refrigerator, <laughs> kind of like a golf sleeve, but for Smuckers, you can fit like six in there. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, it's like oh, you clip yeah. it onto your bag and it st- keeps your Smuckers kind of like, cold. Like a holster. A holster. Yeah. I it's am, like cylindrical. Yeah. A quiver. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a like, quiver yeah. of Smuckers. Yeah. Of yes. A quiver. Like, yeah. Yeah. A quiver. Yeah. I was going to say instead of like a well they would actually they would fit well into a a a tennis ball uh canister so it's unfortunate tennis therapy they're too girthy you think they're too big yeah yeah they're too big yeah you're right you have to you have to to roll them yeah maybe a a pringles can no No. not even that no you know in terms of the flavor the flavor of smuckers too it doesn't matter to me i'll eat all of them strawberry great yeah they're all sleep this is sleeper yeah. Eat the, equal opportunity smokers eater. Get the, the get the chocolate hazelnut one. Damn. No, I've never. I don't think I've had that. Hazel. It's like I a didn't Nutella. Even know that was an option. Yes. Nutella uncrustable. Yeah, I gotta tell you what. Though. But, but don't let it thaw. Don't let it thaw Ooh. all the way. Little let frozen. it thaw for okay. like five minutes. Have you heard Real of cold? these? These people are putting those hazelnut smuckers into air fryers. Yes. Yeah. They take the hazelnut That's, frozen. I haven't tried it. Air but. fryer for like five, seven minutes. My friend's sister made these the other night. 
eh, not the other night, but a few weeks ago. And I didn't, I didn't indulge because I'm not like a Nutella hazelnut guy. I am, I love peanut butter. Like yeah, yeah, I just yeah. peanut butter and apples with some honey on it. Yo, fucking mm, crazy. Elite snack. Yeah. Elite snack. Yeah. yeah. So much sugar, but like amazing. Yep. You said the other night uh, and it was actually a couple weeks ago. That's me to a T. I'm the other. I'm the other day. Could be four years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I say the other day. Last week when time. I was twelve. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. right. 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 I say the Which other was a day. Wednesday. Yeah. The other yeah, day when Wednesday. I was born. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's funny. Uh, Dan, That's we, great. We, we got we got one last one here here for you, Pat. Uh, then we'll get you out of here. Um, what is uh? Do you, what's your biggest golf fear? Yeah, I thought about this one too. Um. You know, I think in round, it's like just duffing a tee shot, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. That first tee is always nerve-wracking. I think even for pros, I think, you know. It's got to be. It's, it's got to be, you know. So I think, mm. you know, getting up there, you're getting out there with some maybe new, newer friends or whatever. And, um, you know, that that's always nerve-wracking. And then I think, you know, like zooming out, you know, uh, just, just having the ability to golf is like amazing, you know, that we – that I'm grateful for. Um, and you know, like the, the fear of like, you know, not being able to, to golf one day because of a physical, you know, mm. you know, or mental, um, ailment is scary, you know? So I think it's, um, you know, like, again, like I'm speaking zoomed out here, um, you know, like losing a hand would suck, you know, but there's been amazing, mm. inspiring stories about people who, you know, have physical disabilities who are now, you know, hitting the links and doing some inspiring, I mean, not some inspiring Yo. stuff, but very, very inspiring stuff. So, um, I think, you know, tied in with that, there's some, there's a lot of gratitude for having the body and mind that I have. And I, I guess it would be really scary to, to have some of those things change, but, um, it's amazing to see what some people have done with the, you know, the alternative, body styles or body forms and body shapes and mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. it's inspiring it's really cool that's fair man yeah 100%. that's that's super fair the adaptive golf community is fucking awesome insane it's yeah. so it, it teeming with life like, yes yeah. they got a lot Incredible. going on it's like when you think about it like that like nothing's really scary about a round of golf you know it's like but, right true but yeah. but like you know life's scary and like uh things can impact your life that would affect you your ability to play golf you know but like even if it's like you know you're doing like a, a trip with your boys this weekend you roll your ankle like that's a fucked up that would suck you're like oh. it's like dude so i'm trying much. to yeah. be out there with the boys you know we were gonna walk yeah. we were gonna yeah. get caddies we were gonna be you know vibing now it's gonna be sick and then it's like fuck now yeah, my, no, my ankle's no, no, fucked <laughs> You got to drink a fine print and tore my ACL. Now I can't. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, don't, don't put don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. In the don't road. put that even yeah, over yeah, Ricky no, Bobby. I'm not putting that juju in the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's not making the final cut. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well, Pat, that was this has been a great conversation. Um, thankful for your Indeed. your time. Hope we can make it out again maybe this year. But if not, we'll see you in the spring or next summer. We'll get out. That'd be we'll amazing. got to come to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. We're coming to Chicago, and yeah. this, this is going to be a legendary foursome, a mm -hmm. kingly foursome. Let's do it. Yeah, maybe. I'd love it, and uh, we'd get together in New York, L.A., Chicago, Milwaukee, whatever it is. I'd love to do it. It's yeah. been a pleasure, Drew, to see you again, and Bradford and Connor to meet you guys. Thank you for 
you know, being open to the conversation and, um, it's been great. You guys are awesome and doing a lot of cool things. So for there to be a, a podcast and a place to talk about golf and a lot of things that we talked about today concerning mental health, reparenting, processing, uh, I think that's a great thing for the game and for people, you know, just in general. So appreciate you guys. Yeah.